Shaking everybody, you're listening to a special bonus episode of Improv Tabletop, the show that's usually an RPG actual play, but once again, we are bringing you a choose-your-own-adventure book. More on that later, but I am Ned Wilcock, your host and reader for the evening, and today I'm joined by... Evan Peterson. Thomas Ryan. Yep, we got uh, a couple of the people from our upcoming Blades in the Dow Fay crew... Uh, this is sort of a probationary trial for Thomas so that you can all get a sense of what his personality is like and uh, whether or not you want to abandon the show because of that, I suppose. Yeah, this is this is your time. If you have a problem with me, you have to voice your concern now because once this starts, I they can't make me leave. There's a contract. It's they like, can't kick me out. It's so harsh. It, well, it's it's like a wedding. You know, you're going to be listening to this person for an entire upcoming campaign. So speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> for what it's worth, I think Thomas is a great guy. And I think you're going to enjoy having him on the show. One third of the people here believe that. Unlike Ned, I like Thomas. So I think you're all going to have a great time listening to this. Am I the only person who doesn't <laughs> like me? I think I might be. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> well, we can explore your self-loathing at <laughs> another time off mic. Um, but after we did our Sonic the Hedgehog adventure book bonus episodes, we got a lot of positive feedback. And so we decided that we're going to go to kind of the progenitor of the Choose Your Own Adventure book series, which is the Choose Your Own Adventure book series. <laughs> Literally what it's called. <laughs> And we figured, you know, let's just start right at the very beginning. We looked through the list and the very first book released in 1979, The Cave of Time by Edward Packard, we figured sounded pretty intriguing. Now, the structure of this is going to be a little different from Metal City Mayhem in that that book had one definite ending, a, a win state that you were trying to get to surrounded by a bunch of potential failure states. Whereas this, uh, if my research is correct, has 40 different endings over the course of 114 pages. And so Goodness. we're probably going to either die or win a lot so, as we're going through this. Hold on, I'm doing math in my head. There's 40 different endings and 114 pages in this book. That means a third of this book is endings. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, this was the first one, probably kind of an experimental sort of situation. Kind of sounds like it's a skunk. I think they're leaning into the idea that this is a choose your own adventure. It's a new thing. And they were trying to really let people know, hey, you can die and like if you make the wrong choice the book's just over we weren't kidding you can choose any of your own adventures even if it's a terrible decision <laughs> i just i'm looking forward to the accountant ending that's what i want yeah in answer to uh thomas's comment about it being a skunk when we were deciding what book we wanted to read he sent us a quote from a scholar who was critiquing the series and the scholar described it as formulaic and that in terms of literary quality, many of the multiple storyline books are true skunks. So we're going to take a big old whiff of this old, old book and see how it smells. You know, growing up when I was a kid, people thought I was weird because I always said I liked the smell of skunks. So let's do this. <laughs> well, don't you worry. Adults think you're weird, too. That's <laughs> I don't still like the smell. I just did oh, as a kid. Okay. okay, that's better. That's fine. In any case, will we run into literal skunks? We'll just have to see. Now, you gotta love when a children's book, the very first word is WARNING in all caps and bold, <laughs> followed by four exclamation points. <laughs> 
And it is therefore followed by these pages contain many different adventures you can go on in the cave of time. From time to time, as you read along, you'll be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you take are the result of your choice. You are responsible because you choose. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you make a move. One mistake can be your last. Or it may lead you to fame and fortune. My cat's being a cat. Give me just a second. I do like fame and fortune. It's all about that fortune and fame. You can play with the box later. Okay. So we're going to start on page one. You've hiked through Snake Canyon once before while visiting your Uncle Howard at Red Creek Ranch, but you never noticed any cave entrance. It looks as though a recent rock slide has uncovered it. This is already very evocative. There was no... Most when I was taking English class, they were like establish characters, establish place, and this is like you're in the cave of time. We're here. Well, I mean that is good improv, you know. Like Brother Hill always told us, you just gotta get the who, the what, and the where. Boom! That's what we got right here. Three sentences. Bam! Make it happen. So, though the late afternoon sun is striking the opening of the cave, the interior remains in total darkness. You step inside a few feet, trying to get an idea of how big it is. As your eyes become used to the dark, you see what looks like a tunnel ahead, dimly lit by some kind of phosphorescent material in the walls. The tunnel walls are smooth, as if they were shaped by running water. Every 20 feet or so, the tunnel curves. You wonder where it leads. You venture in a bit further, but you feel nervous being alone in such a strange place. You turn and hurry out. A thunderstorm may be coming, judging by how dark it looks outside. Suddenly you realize the sun has long since set, and the landscape is lit only by the pale light of the full moon. You must have fallen asleep and woken up hours later, but then you remember something even more strange. Just last evening, the moon was only a slim crescent in the sky. You wonder how long you've been in the cave. You are not hungry. You don't feel like you have been sleeping. You wonder whether you try to walk back home by moonlight or whether to wait for dawn rather than risk losing your footing on the steep and rocky trail. Do we want to go back home or do we wait? Oh, we got a we got a buggy. Time I feel, feels wrong. Oh, I, I think I'm metagaming already because I'm feeling like <laughs> if we go home, they're just going to be like, all right, adventure over. See, we told you you could choose your own adventure. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go back well, home and our dad's going to be there saying, you've been gone for 80, 12 years. <laughs> 80, 12. Yeah, exactly. Time changed during the, that time. Yeah. In the future, they started counting in a very different system in base 10 <laughs> it's base 12 um, they went so far in the future they ran out of numbers and had to change up the system a little all right let's go home yeah. and see if that's what happens <laughs> and like if that does end up leading to the end i think structure wise like if we go until we hit the first end this is going to be a very short episode <laughs> so i think uh some backtracking and then retreading will be in order here so we're going to go back home because if there's one thing we learned from last time, we've got to go fast. It's really not a choose your own adventure book if you're not keeping like six fingers in uh, the yeah. pages got so a wedged you can backtrack in. at any time. Yeah, I will say when I was a young child checking these out from my elementary school library, I like took little pieces of paper. I found the best ending and then I would leave notes for people backtracking from the best ending to say, go to this page, go to this page. Oh my word. Uh, I feel like you did that out of the goodness of your heart, but also you really, sp you, you spoiled the book. 
yeah, looking back on Young Me, I was like, dude, you were being so annoying. Don't do that. <laughs> be like if you played a video game and there was just developer notes everywhere telling you exactly where to go to win. This is how spoilers happened back before the internet. You would leave notes in library books. Yeah, I guess that was like the prototype for the Souls-like formula that we now have. <laughs> in any case, beautiful. as you start walking back toward the ranch, you notice the trail seems very different than you remember it. Though, of course, Moonlight can play tricks on your eyes. But you suddenly realize you're not walking on the trail at all, but on what seems to be a dried-up riverbed. You hurry back to the cave entrance. You look around you and realize the whole landscape has changed. While you are in the cave, torrents of water have washed out the trail, yet there is not so much as a puddle left. You shiver. It is cold, much colder than it should be at this time of year. You take a jacket out of your backpack and put it on, but you are still freezing. At least the world around you seems much brighter. It's getting light in the east. The sun will soon be up. You look at your watch. It is run down, though you wound it only a few hours ago. Nothing seems to make sense anymore. You know you should get back to the ranch as quickly as possible, yet somehow you feel the only way to change things back the way they were is to re-enter the cave. Do we continue toward the ranch, or do we go back into the cave? We feel like the only way to fix it is to go in the cave, but we really have no... We, we went in last time, and things just got weird, and we learned nothing. So why would we just run back in? This might be a double negative scenario, right? It got weird once, if we go in again, just bam, there we are, things are back and fine. However, that being said, I know it's called Cave of Time. I want to go to the ranch. I'm really curious what <laughs> happened to the ranch. I want to know just how much time changed. I want to get a horse. I think a horse is going to help us on this adventure. <laughs> yeah. Bring a horse into a cave. Perfect place for a horse. Time horse coming to a theater near you. It's going to be awesome. Oh. Now, let's go to the ranch. Yes, I'm also interested in the ranch because the book basically just did the equivalent of the GM asking, are you sure? And I want to say, yes, I'm sure. I like it. Uh, we've been reading a few more of these lately, and I feel like that's always... Uh, something we're realizing is they often give you a second chance where they're like you could always just keep going on the adventure <laughs> mm -hmm. now as it gets lighter you realize you can't be on the right track okay okay book whatever <laughs> the canyon seems shallower than it was the riverbed is strewn with boulders that were never there before the cold wind chills you to the bone yet it's the middle of summer as you climb to higher ground to get a better view you notice patches of snow from the top of a ridge, you survey a barren plain, frozen lakes, and in the distance, a massive range of snow-covered mountains. You begin to realize you are not merely lost, you are lost in time, and you have somehow been transported to an ice age that occurred many thousands of years ago. You walk toward one of the cliffs that borders the canyon, seeking shelter from the wind, and notice an entrance to another cave. You are tempted to go inside, but feel you should keep moving in hopes of somehow reaching familiar country. We went back. This is turning into Quantum Leap. Like, you just got to find the next door. No one's going to know what Quantum Leap is. You just got to find the next <laughs> next path home. Maybe this jump will take us there. I thought I thought we went forward to the next Ice Age, like that episode of SpongeBob where Squidward goes in the future and everything's chrome and frozen. <laughs> Beautiful. I was like, wow, we went so far in the future that like humanity's died out and there's another Ice Age, but we're actually back. Well, how do we know? How do we know that we're back in time? I mean, this kid, he fell asleep in a cave, so already he's not the brightest. I don't know if he went back. I'm just interested in the logic of the author taking us from being like, you really feel like you should go back to the other cave, and then suddenly he's like, you really feel like you should probably continue going forward. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to, he's trying to th sow those seeds of doubt. He's trying mm -hmm. to uh, force on us that, like, when you make a decision, stick with it. Man, we're being gaslit by Edward Packard. What, like 40, 50 years in the future or something? Yeah. So it was a cave of time. He knew. Here we are. He knew. So do we want to enter the cave or continue on into the tundra? 
So I, <laughs> I, I really like turning this into like caveman simulator, but it cave of time, you know. I like that the mm-hmm. book was called Cave of Time, and we've spent one page inside a cave, and I kind of just want to <laughs> see how long we can avoid the cave. <laughs> the first run is just cave avoidance. Any cave options, yeah. we absolutely cannot take. Yeah, let's try the speedrun strat. See how quickly we can get to an ending. All right. We continue on, following a trail leading up a steep incline. You hear loud trumpeting sounds from a nearby ravine, the sounds of a large animal. You climb over some rocks and find yourself looking down on the, one of the largest land mammals that ever lived, the woolly mammoth. Ooh. Huge as this creature is, its size is exaggerated even more by its thick coat of wool. You are cold, desperate, and tired. From your rock ledge, only a few feet over the mammoth, you could drop down onto its back, burrow into its warm wool, and ride where it takes you. Do we want to jump onto the woolly mammoth or continue on foot? (laughs) Woolly mammoth! Woolly mammoth! (laughs) One that's an insane idea. Look, if we're (laughs) speed running the end, jumping on the back of a woolly mammoth is how we get there. That thing is just going (laughs) to... Done. (laughs) That's fair. The second thing I was going to say is right in the middle there, I feel like... He wanted to like justify this for children, so he just started dropping fun facts. It's like the largest land mammal to ever have lived was the woolly man. I thought he was about to start dropping more facts, and I was kind of hoping this would become educational. We have to make elementary school librarians want to stock these books on their shelves. That's fair. uh, Yeah, I definitely want to jump on this thing's back because I don't know why the main character's thought process was, whoa, a woolly mammoth. I could burrow into its fur from here. (laughs) It would be so warm. All right. As you land, the mammoth shudders like a horse shaking off flies. It begins lumbering up along up the valley, apparently unaware you are clinging to its woolly back, keeping warm and enjoying the ride. (laughs) We can't die. It worked. (laughs) The mammoth reaches high ground, nibbles at some bark and then walks on. Perhaps it will carry you near some caveman who will give you food and shelter. Suddenly, the mammoth stops and turns its head, listening for something. You look up and see human figures approaching from two sides. They are carrying spears and clubs. The mammoth begins to run. You hold on tight. The hunters follow, screaming and yelling. You can't see where the mammoth is heading, but you're afraid the hunters may drive it off a cliff. Yet, if you jump off while it's running, you could be badly hurt. Do we jump to the ground or do we hang on? They're making so many leaps of logic of like, I'm riding on its back. Next stop, cavemen with food. And then the second it starts running, they're like, oh no, we're heading directly off a cliff. I'm sure of it. I say we hold on because what are the chances we run directly off a cliff? Yeah, let's hold on. Let's do it. Why not? We got to go fast. We got to go fast. <laughs> Is this a blue the mammoth one, out of the curiosity? One rule of any choose your own adventure. <laughs> you hold tightly to tufts of wool, hoping the mammoth will slow down enough so you can safely slide off but suddenly it pitches forward, making a terrible bellowing. In an instant, you realize you are falling through space. You cry out helplessly as you lose your grip, falling faster and faster. Thousands of years later, when Dr. Carlton Frisbee, the famous paleontologist, finds your bones next to those of a woolly mammoth in the Red Creek excavation, he is amazed at how closely you resemble a 20th century human being. (laughs) Dr. Carlton Frisbee, we've got something strange going on. This man's bones... Just like okay. my nephews. Is Dr. Carlton Frisbee real? My, record, uh, my recording is about to have some keyboard clacking on it. Cause... <laughs> I'm just glad we died. Um, 
not that we died per se, but that like the the mammoth, it didn't lead to unrealistic expectations about mammoth riding. If you hold on to a mammoth too long, that thing is going to kill you. It's just the way things go. I'm not seeing anything about a doctor frisbee. Yeah, the only results I'm getting are for the frisbee club at Carlton College. <laughs> not even for All this right. book. Nope. <laughs> Didn't leave a big enough of an impact, I guess. Guess not. Well, shoot, Dr. Frisbee. I guess your discovery wasn't that great after all. Poor guy. How dare you. Okay, let's see. We can go back and kind of follow the same route, but in different paths, or we can just restart from the beginning. What do you guys want to do? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't think that far ahead. My gut instinct is to embrace the old school style of just going back to your last finger as soon as you die. Yeah. Embrace childhood. You're getting an authentic experience here. So embrace childhood, jump to the ground. You work your way back to the mammoth's rump and slide down, landing hard on the icy ground where you lie, aching and bruised. The mammoth lumbers on. Suddenly it disappears, driven off the cliff. The hunters are shouting and cheering. Some of them come up to you. They are short and muscular, their jaws jut out, and they have bright squinting eyes. Their black hair hangs down to their shoulders, and they are dressed in animal skins. You look up helplessly, wondering what they will do to you, but in an instant you can see that they will not hurt you. They help you up and carry you back to their cave and feed you steaming broth. It tastes awful but makes you feel much better. You soon learn that the cave people will accept you as one of them because you have, without realizing it, performed the sacred rite of their culture by riding bravely on the back of a mammoth. <laughs> that is such a left turn. Holy cow. What? Life is harsh and simple with the cave people, and sometimes you long for your family, your friends, and your own time again. Yet your new life is exciting and happy as you could wish for. The end. Wait, that's the end? That's it? <laughs> Two out of 40. We're killing it. Yeah. On a scale of flower to skunk, how are we feeling about this book I so just, far? I didn't know the... Flower the skunk. That's where I'm at. The choice was okay. jump off a woolly mammoth's back. We did it. And the result was we lived the rest of our lives peacefully with the cavemen. Can you imagine... Yep. Like, uh, pretend you were in this scenario for a minute, right? You you go into a cave, you fall asleep, you wake up. Oh, look at that. It's the Ice Age. I'm going to jump on a mammoth now. You jump on that mammoth. You realize, wow, I should not be on this mammoth anymore. You hop off. And a bunch of random people are like, hey, you knew the password. Welcome to the club. And then you're just a cave person for the rest of your life. So many questions. Did, it, did we never go back to the cave? Did we never wonder? Well, I mean, why do we need to go back to the cave? We're perfectly happy with our, quote, harsh and simple life, unquote, with the cave people. <laughs> Harsh and simple. Why would you abandon your cave family for your regular family? Like, come on, dude. <laughs> okay. Reject modernity. Embrace monkey. All right? Fair. That's fair. I mean, life right now is uh, harsh and complex, so harsh and simple is a nice trade-off. All right, I'm keeping a tally. So far, we have one bad ending and one good ending. The best ending, potentially. Do we have a better category? Because I don't know if it's good, but it's better than dying. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We did one of these on stream once, and we learned very quickly that the endings are not good or bad. There is a wide gamut of potential possibilities. Okay, so let me change our criteria. We'll have death, survival, and better than death, I guess. Better than dying. We also, I don't remember exactly what happened. It was some vamp space vampire one. And I remember we created a category for yeah. uh, fate worse than death on one of the endings. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we'll have death, survival, better than death, and worse than death. <laughs> <laughs> 
We are messing with time. We might get stranded at the end of time alone or something. Mm -hmm. Everything will be chrome, and then a sponge will arrive. (laughs) All right, so working our way back along the spider web, we get back to the decision to either jump on the woolly mammoth or continue on foot. So let's continue on foot for a little bit. Riding on a mammoth might be fun if you are not cold and hungry and lost, but where would it take you? You continue walking, your spirit sinking. Just as you feel ready to sit down and cry, you see an opening in the ground. You crawl in on your hands and knees. It might provide some warmth, and it might lead to the cave of time. You find yourself in a tunnel. There are other tunnels branching off. You feel sure now that you are in the cave of time. You are eager to take the next tunnel to the surface, but you want to travel a long way forward in time. Maybe you should take a tunnel further on. Do we take the first tunnel that we can, or do we go down the tunnel a little bit further? So was there like a sign when you first walk in that says cave of time this way? Uh, It's just a gut feeling, you know? You walk in and the cave starts vibing with you and you're like, oh, wow, this, here it is. This is the cave of time. Exactly. It's a gut, that all doesn't make sense. And also we were standing in front of the cave and we were like, nah, I want to go explore. We turned and left, saw the woolly mammoth and we're like, nah, that's not a good idea. And then we walked a little further and we're like, oh, thank goodness, the cave. A different cave, but still the same cave. You know, but our goal was to leave the cave, wasn't it? The the cave of time. That might have been your goal. <laughs> we were trying to avoid the cave, Thomas. Oh yeah, I forgot. We. <laughs> I just said that like ten minutes ago. We, we can explore the cave. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah. Let's just let's just you know what? Explore cave didn't work out. We got squashed and lived with cave people. Okay, so we do not jump onto the woolly mammoth. We're in the tunnel. Do we want to take the first tunnel we can see, or do we want to go a little bit further down? I kind of want to see if the future is chrome and shiny. So I think maybe long distance, right? Further further in space, the further in time. That's science, right? Exactly. That checks out. These books are really scientifically accurate, too. Mm-hmm. You continue a long distance until you come to the next tunnel. From there, it is only a short distance until you reach the surface. An amazing sight meets your eyes. As far as you can see, the land looks like a beautiful park with soft feathery grass and towering trees. Here and there are clusters of multicolored dome-shaped buildings connected by ramps, terraces, and walkways. Some people are dressed in simple khaki pants and shirts and tan sneakers, and they walk up to you. They do not understand your language, nor you theirs. They look much like the people of your time, except that they are unusually trim, muscular, and healthy looking, and they are a great deal smaller than your own people. They take you inside a dome-shaped building and show you an and show you electronic equipment that looks like a computer. You notice a typewriter, so you sit at it and type a message. The computer prints out a reply. It apparently has access to memory banks containing your language. You soon discover that you are living in the year 3742. We made it. We're in the future. It's utopia. Everyone's trim. Everyone's a little bit shorter. There Everybody's are domes. In their, in their khaki pants and t-shirts with tan sneakers. The future is khaki, baby. I just love these people look a lot like my people, except they're fit. Oh my god. <laughs> now, at this point, we have no option. We just turn to page 56. Hot dog. Through computer instruction, you are able to learn the language, which you find is similar to English, so you're soon able to communicate with your hosts. They are not at all surprised to hear that you arrived through the Cave of Time. You are not the first, the head of the household tells you, but we have visitors from other times only once in a great while. When someone comes, we are always glad to learn about life in another era, because here we have achieved a sort of paradise. We do not work, and the world is at peace. It is a perfect society. That is why primitive epochs, epochs, such as yours, interest us so much. 
if you stay in, quotes the perfect society, turn to page 57, or if you try to return to the cave of time, turn to page 60. Those are mysterious quotation marks. Okay. So like in the modern era, right? When we hear perfect society, I assume the worst every time. It doesn't matter if it like actually is a perfect society. I assume it's going to be terrible. But this was the 70s. And I think, I mean, like Star Trek was a big deal in the 70s, right? That's all about utopias and whatnot. So maybe this is actually a utopia. I want to I wanna see what this place is all about. All right. We're going to stay in, quote, the perfect society, end quote. <laughs> Your hosts give you a fine bedroom with large windows overlooking the park on one side. On another wall is a beautiful painting of the California seacoast. When you push a button, the painting folds up to the ceiling, revealing a large screen. Your room contains a computer terminal that enables you to select any movie or other program you desire from over 10,000 possibilities. <laughs> Whoa! There wow. are even films in which you are the main character and you can make choices as to what will happen next in the story. <laughs> A choose your own movie? <laughs> then, if you don't like the way the plot is working out, you can go back to an earlier point and make different choices from then on. On your terminal, you can also play games and flash pages. Flash pages? Oh. The... Flash still exists? No, okay, I read that incorrectly. You can even play games and flash pages of books or magazines on the screen. So, Flash has been thoroughly killed by Apple at this point. I, I, I just <laughs> want to point out, we're making fun of them, but Netflix has 17,000 global titles, and they have choose-your-own-adventure content. So, this is literally just Netflix. Wow. They're still around in the 3,000s. <laughs> is this the Netflix corporate utopia? <laughs> That's where we're living. Well, <laughs> That's why they all wore red here's sneakers. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> the fact that... In the future, we only have 10,000 options to choose from rather than the 17,000 we currently have. There's some suppression of free speech going on here in the perfect utopia, right? Well, I mean, in a utopia, right? They would have purged all the terrible movies. These are the 10,000 greatest movies from the past 3,700 years. This is The Kissing Booth 1 through 9,999. And Sonic the Hedgehog. There you go. <laughs> In any case, we can flash pages of books or magazines on the screen. We can live quite well even without getting out of bed. Eventually you go exploring. You meet other people, but you find none of them very interesting, so you spend most of your time watching the greatest movies of all time. Gradually you settle into your new life. One thing disturbs you. No one has made any new movies in the last 300 years. <laughs> the end. I told you. I told you. They purged all the crappy movies. Wait, the end? Wait, the, end? the end. We just live in no. a world where nobody's made movies for 300 years. <laughs> it's perfect because we stopped. Mm -hmm. That's what? what made society great. <laughs> Why was... What was the point of that ending? <laughs> Is that supposed to, like, horrify us? I mean... I mean, yeah. sure we survived... Is this better than death or worse than death, would you say? Worse what? than death. Okay. <laughs> no new movies? <laughs> Come on! No new movies? Lord of the Rings would have had like 500 remakes at that point. Look, maybe that's this a good is a thing, fate though. worse than Look, death. I love, I love movies. I adore movies. I have a Blu-ray collection, but if it's the 10,000 greatest movies of all time, I don't feel like you're going to get through the... I just, like, it's bad that there's not new movies, but is it, like, the worst possible? It's worse than death to you? Uh, yeah, 100% worse than death. I, I love movies, right? And if there were only 10,000 movies, I'm going to do some math real quick, figure out how long it would take me to watch all that. Yeah. Let's assume 
10,000 movies, right? Worst case scenario, they're all three hours long, right? I'm really Whoa. pushing this out. I, I went with I went with an hour and a half, which I know they're most of them longer than that. There's been a trend of movies getting longer over time, and this is 1,700 years in the future. So there's probably like 12 well, hour movies. I now. have a Reddit thread from three years ago that is sure to be perfectly accurate with no faults at all, of saying. Course. That the continuous runtime of all existing films to that point is 38.7452 consecutive years. Look, I did real quick math. If you had 10,000 movies that were all an hour and a half long, which we know they're longer, and you spent six hours a day watching movies, it would still take you almost seven years to get through all the movies. Well, here's the thing. It's the future. You're going to live to be like 400. It doesn't (laughs) say you spend six hours out of each day watching movies. It says you spend most of your time. So that's at least 12 hours a day watching movies. That's fair. Unless the length of an Earth day has changed in the past thousand some odd years. I I guess part of my other thing is like, what about like books or other forms of art? Is it just movies that haven't existed in 300 years? Because like I said, I love, I I feel weird being the one, because I feel like I'm generally like the token movie guy in a lot of my friend groups, but I don't know. That doesn't seem like a worse than death ending to me mm. i mean would a utopia make you read i mean you <laughs> it's, it straight up says you can flash pages of books or magazines on the screen but still you just decide to spend all your time watching movies instead so this is making some wild assumptions about me we truly do live in a society we truly do wow but, i mean at least there's homestar runner i guess oh would homestar runner still be around <laughs> you've got flash pages <laughs> Okay, we, we, we need to make a decision. Is this better than death or worse than death? Better than death. An eternity with Homestar Runner in a good society. This isn't a good society. It's worse than death. Movies are going to yeah, run everybody's out. Everybody's boring. Maybe let's let's just claim this as a general survival. Well, we could, I mean, we could average it out. I say it's worse. He says it's better. Let's just call it death. <laughs> <laughs> the law of averages. Exactly. Just hit the middle. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Okay, so we also have the opportunity now, instead of staying in the quote-unquote perfect society where they haven't made movies in 300 years, we can also return to the Cave of Time. I mean, I think we gotta go back. All right. We went too far. They're all in khakis. We thought everything would be chrome and everything was khaki. Yeah. True nightmare. That's kind of exactly the opposite of what we wanted. (laughs) (laughs) There is something deadening about the perfect future society that makes you want to return to your own time as quickly as possible. Deadening? (laughs) Worse than death, perhaps. With a brief word of farewell, you hurry back to the tunnel, climb down, and find a fork to the right that you hope will take you towards the right time. Soon you are climbing up towards the surface, excited about the discovery you are about to make. When you reach the surface, it is completely dark. A chill wind is blowing. You sit resolutely, waiting for dawn, so you can see what kind of world you are in. Meanwhile, there is no way of telling what time it is, either by your watch or by the stars. You hear loud clicking sounds all around you, mostly in the distance, but some quite close. As the orange-pink glow of coming dawn lightens the eastern sky, you see nearby the shape of a creature that is the size of a sheep, but has a very different appearance. The end. (laughs) Wait, that's the ending? What? (laughs) The end. Why? The entire description of that creature is the size of the sheep, but looks different. <laughs> There's nothing else to do in this timeline. <laughs> Apparently to the future, we saw an animal. I'm going to assume this looks identical to a sheep, but instead of like wool, right? 
It's just going to be hedgehog spikes. Mm. And that's it. That's and, the only difference. That's why his mind immediately jumped to a sheet. what it does is it does a spin dash into the air, lands on top of our head, and we die. That's why it's the end. Exploding yes. in a pile yeah, of I coins. I have to assume the whole, like, what he's going for there is like, ooh, spooky monster, like, kills you. Yeah. Um, but, like, I did not get that. I got weird looking sheep. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's the size of a sheep. It doesn't look it like one. different. Now, I think the only way that we can reasonably conclude that this is the end is that this weird size of a sheep, but not the appearance of a sheep creature has killed us, correct? Uh, yeah, Because, like, you imagine you're watching a horror movie like Alien or something, and someone's like, did you see it? And the person's like, yeah, it looked like the size of a sheep, but very different. <laughs> it's the dog at the beginning of the thing. <laughs> oh, my... My word. <laughs> now, I mean, that's that's the only reason that I can justify why this is the end, because otherwise, why don't we just, like, head back into the cave, you know? Right, yeah. No, it had to have killed us. We're dead. Well, hold on. This is just the size of the end. It doesn't appear as yeah. the end, okay? <laughs> and it's, it's like, what are you talking about? And it's, <laughs> it's very ambiguous right at the end of the film as the two of you are laughing face to face. Which one of you has been assimilated by the creature and which one hasn't, you know? Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For Sonic the Hedgehog Sorry. 2. <laughs> okay, going back. Sorry, guys. It ends with Knuckles and Robotnik staring into each other's eyes. Yep. All right. <laughs> Is Knuckles in Sonic Hedgehog 2? Oh, wait, you haven't seen Sonic Hedgehog 2? No, I just say things. I haven't actually seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Knuckles voiced by Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome. No, it's really good. In any case, we get back to the decision point where we can either take the first tunnel or go further down. So we already took the tunnel further down. So at this point, I guess we just take the first tunnel we can see, right? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. we got to go fast. Hopefully it'll take us home. Can I make a prediction real quick about where this one is going to take us? What you got? I think we're going to go to like the Renaissance era. We're going to stumble into Da Vinci and he's going to give us a flying machine and that's it. It'll say the end. That's just the plot of Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> Haven't played it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Does Knuckles show up? Is he voiced by Idris Elba too? <laughs> I thought, anyway, I thought you were—I thought you were making a reference. I didn't know no, you'd never geez. played the game. I just told you. I just say things, man. man. It's improv. I improv every conversation I have, dude. Literally, that exact thing happens in Assassin's Creed 2. Holy cow! I just want to see Ezio and Knuckles in the next Super Smash Brothers so that they can see <laughs> that fight. Beautiful. You enter the next tunnel you come to. It becomes smaller and smaller until you must crawl. You continue this way for almost an hour. Finally, your faith is justified, for you smell a fresh breeze blowing across the field of new-mown hay. A moment later, you are blinking your eyes in the bright sunlight, looking at a beautiful meadow nestled between gentle hills. A dozen or more cows are grazing near a meandering stream. In the distance is a dirt road. A farmer is sitting on a cart filled with hay. A dapple gray horse is pulling the cart towards a big red barn in the distance. From the other direction, you hear the mournful hooting of a train whistle. You turn around and see that you are only a few hundred feet from the railroad tracks. A train is chugging around the bend, puffs of black smoke rising from its coal-fired steam engine. You are out of the Ice Age, all right, but not exactly in your own time. Back to the Future 3, not Da Vinci, sorry. <laughs> the train slows down as it approaches you, and you smile as you see the reason why. A cow is standing on the tracks just ahead, looking as if it would not move for anything. The train pulls to a stop, 
and a man jumps down from the cab, waving a coal shovel at the cow, which waits almost until the man is upon her before strolling back into the pasture. At that moment, you realize you could easily climb onto the back of the train. Do we want to climb onto the train, go to the farm, or go back in the tunnel in hopes of finding your way back to your own time? Why do I feel like jumping onto a mammoth is safer than sneaking onto <laughs> this train? Reject modernity, embrace hobo? Ah, oh, yeah! Wait, can we steal like a <laughs> stick and a like a handkerchief from that farmer a nice first? Little bindle. Yeah, train every time. If you have the chance to jump on a train, yeah, take it. Take the train. That's real life advice for anyone listening. All right, <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not. Endorsed by Improv Tabletop. Jump on trains while moving. I know we're small, but in the future we could still get sued. <laughs> yes. In the future, when we are the primary source of media that everybody is watching on their TVs, their Netflix-powered 10,000 <laughs> station TVs. Are you telling me that in the future they can watch 10,000 things? <laughs> they can. Hey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shameless product placement. I love it. We actually, so the, re, the we made 10,000 movies, but then uh, we all retired, and that's why they stopped making movies in that timeline. That's what... because Improv Tabletop gotcha. Show. It's the new Criterion Collection, and the only Criterion is, is it produced by Improv Tabletop, LLC? Yeah, exactly. That. All right. You climb up the steps between the last car and the caboose just as the train begins to start up again. When you open the door to the car, you are surprised to see soldiers in blue uniforms holding old-fashioned rifles. They advance upon you. One of them strides past you to see if anyone else followed you. How did you know this was the president's car? The first soldier asks you. Holy crap, we're in the Union! This is Civil War! Well, President, you reply. Then, to your amazement, you get the answer to your question, for the very tall, bearded man walking down the aisle could be no one else but Abraham Lincoln. Oh, this is so much better than Da Vinci! Holy cow! That's all right, the president tells the soldiers. I could use some company right now. You may stay until we reach Gettysburg, he says to you, but maybe you should get off at Parkersville. I know some good people there who will help you out. Tell them not to go to the this, theater. This Tell is them not to go to the I was going to say, this is clearly not post-John Wilkes Booth, because, like, yeah. he would not trust strangers <laughs> at that point. Oh, boy. Uh, do we want to stay until we get to Gettysburg, or do we want to get off at Parkersville? There's no option to warn him? No option to warn the president about his impending assassination. Wow, so what? hold up. This guy, this time traveler wouldn't go back in time to warn, like, 9-11's happening, guys. You gotta be careful. This, this guy's guy, the worst. This guy's the worst time traveler. <laughs> We got two options, Gettysburg or Parkersville. Fun fun fact, um, if he is on his way to Gettysburg, then that means the Emancipation Proclamation has not been signed yet. So like <laughs> this war, fact. the Civil War at this point is still about re like reuniting the country. It's not about slave. Well, it is about slavery, but it's not about ending slavery specifically. It's about reuniting the country. Mm. So if we go to Gettysburg, we could catch the address. We got into an American history moment in the story with a history major in the in the cast <laughs> just for the record i know someone's gonna check me and be like uh actually uh <laughs> it wasn't at gettysburg it was on the way to gettysburg i have no I, i'm pretty sure i haven't taken a civil war class in over six months here's what i do know <laughs> this time traveler has chosen to chill with cavemen for the rest of his life to avoid responsibility <laughs> He got upset when there wasn't enough new movies on his streaming service in his utopia. And now he's neglecting to warn Abraham Lincoln about his assassination. We are the worst possible human. I mean... We are the skunk. He should tell Abraham Lincoln that 
in the distant future, there's only going to be 10,000 things to watch. <laughs> I think that's a that's a pretty pressing matter. All right, let's go to Gettysburg. I want to see yeah, the address. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do the address. Maybe one of these will give us the option to redeem ourselves. <laughs> Just like a last minute on our way out. Oh, Abe. By the way. Don't hit the theater. Yeah. Bad call, dude. The show's terrible. I'd like to stay on till Gettysburg, you say. Well, that's fine, the president replies. Why don't you sit across from me? I have to write out a little talk I'm giving there, and while I'm doing that, you could think about what you're going to make of your life, because you can't spend all your time riding on trains after all. What? I just want to brag that I know basic American history. How you doing? What? <laughs> Why does he think that's all you do? The president is just, like, dunking on us when he's only known us for... 15 seconds. <laughs> well, in that 15 seconds, all he's figured out about you is that you ride trains. Yeah. That's <laughs> Abraham Lincoln had a notoriously short memory. He's he only knew the past 30 seconds. So for him, that's all you do. Mm -hmm. He's making as many assumptions as the character of this story does sometimes. <laughs> you nod in agreement and sit quietly watching the president scribbling some lines on an envelope. After a while, he looks up from his writing and you look each other in the eyes. You have a great future, he says abruptly. How can you tell, you ask? By looking at your face. Just by that? Just so. Does Abraham Lincoln have, like, time sense or something? Apparently. <laughs> Why didn't he use it at the theater? <laughs> As you were talking, you notice two elaborately dressed men approaching from the end of the car. They whisper a few words to the president. He excuses himself, shakes hands with you, and tells one of his soldiers to see that you are provided for in Gettysburg. When you arrive in Gettysburg, one of the soldiers takes you to a family who welcomes you warmly and agrees to put you up for a while if you will help them out with their farm. You find it amazing to be living in a time with no cars, radios, television, record players, or even telephones. It's peaceful, at least when there's not a war going on. <laughs> that old thing. <laughs> Yep. But you feel homesick. You feel the great future the president predicted for you lies in your own time. And you resolve to find your way back to the cave of time. The end. We don't get to actually... We don't even get to see the address? <laughs> Apparently not. That's got to be public domain at that point in the 70s, right? Yeah. Okay, Is so what's this? Obviously we survived. Not only did we survive... We met Abraham Lincoln, and we decided, yeah, not sticking around here. I got to get back to the cave of time. We never told him. We never warned that guy. I guess, <laughs> in a way, I guess that might be more responsible time travel. Like, you're not trying to screw up the timeline, mm -hmm. but... I don't know if this is established if it's, like, closed-loop time travel or, like... Butterfly effect Shenanigan time travel. time travel, yeah. Yeah, you're just trying not to... That's the thing you don't know, so you're trying not to mess with it. Mm -hmm. But also... He's, like, made very definite comparisons of, like, clothing and appearance, and Abraham Lincoln did not care that this guy was dressed like someone from the 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you mean the far-flung future of the 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy looks like a spaceman. Uh, I'm going to make a new category, and I'm going to call it Justified Guilt. Wow. There's just going to be a category for each ending at this point. There usually is. Call the category Ennui. On perfect. Wow. <laughs> Though I guess technically ennui would be more of what happened in the perfect future. Mm. Uh, we're getting so far into. We've the experienced some sort of some sort of ennui here. Mm -hmm. I think we should label this one "Could have fixed the past." <laughs> I like that. Could've saved Lincoln. Missed potential. Oh, missed potential is a great name for it. Missed potential. That's perfect. Especially since the whole thing was about how Lincoln told us we had potential. And then we just decided to go back to the cave and decided not to. The great thing he was saying we could do was warn him. <laughs> we just didn't do it. He's just sitting there waiting. Can you imagine? Are you going to say anything, young man? 
something you, you look could like be great. you have something you want to say, pal. <laughs> I feel like my time may be running short. <laughs> All right, let's try getting off at Parkersville. It's less than a mile to Parkersville, and the president shakes your hand and wishes you luck. One of the soldiers arranges with a station agent for a carriage to take you to a farm owned by an old friend of his. You soon become a member of the family. They are good people and make you feel very much at home. You are surprised to learn, however, that they plan to sell their farm and move to California. The new life in the West they describe is so appealing that you decide to go with them. You never regret it, except sometimes you wish you could see your own time again. The end. Does this dude have, like... Does he have problems? He, he seems like he has a rough home life. Because, I mean, like, in every scenario, he's like, and this is my new life, and I never go back home. The right. end. He's very quick to just settle down. He didn't even go back to get, like, another change of clothes. He just, this is where I live now. Now, this one I am going to label justifiable guilt because it specifically says you never regret it. You never regret the fact that you neglected to tell the president that he was going to get assassinated. <laughs> Oh my word. That, that means you were you were alive when it happened. It was two years later and you were like, oh shoot, I forgot about that. Don't regret it though. <laughs> you get the newspaper and you're like, oof, dang, I knew there was something I was supposed to tell him. In any case, I live in California now. Let's invent surfing. <sighs> <sighs> this kid is the worst. Does, when was the, okay, so I think I missed it. Does this guy have a name? Uh, he does not. I, okay, I think can it's we supposed to be you. Like you, the reader. Can we call him Dingus? <laughs> or Dingo? I guess Dingo would be all right. Mm -hmm. Also, if we moved there at the Gettysburg... Sorry, I'm Googling a lot now because we're in history. And if we went there at the time of the Gettysburg Address, moved to California, we missed the gold rush by like 10 years. So we're not even getting gold rich. Mm. We're late to the party on that. Buy up a ton of real estate. What is modern day San Francisco? <laughs> and then you're set for eternity with that kind of money. Mm -hmm. That's true. Well, let's see. We've been going for a decent amount of time. Probably enough to justify bringing this here book to a close. How many endings did we hit? We hit six endings out of 40. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is a lot more than I expected. We did not scratch the surface. Yeah. Should we come back to this book in a future episode, perhaps? Because I am enjoying this delightful skunk of a book here. <laughs> we technically did all of this based on one like initial path. The yeah, cave. we didn't even we didn't even go a past like go back into the cave. Yeah, yeah. We, there's always the entire route where you go back. And the, of course, I say that, and sometimes I say that with choose your own adventure books, and you go back because you're like, this was the pivotal decision, and the other decision is just an immediate ending. Mm -hmm. I mean that that straight up happened. We went back into the the cave time or uh, time. Hold on, I can say this right. Cave of time. <laughs> we went back into the cave of time, and we saw something that was roughly the size of a sheep. Um, <laughs> And then it ended. So maybe maybe the first ending is literally that first choice. Like, you go out, you go back in, and that's it. If I remember right, though, uh, it looked very different from a sheep. That it did. You got me there. In any case, thanks, everybody, for listening to this grand old time we've had in the Cave of Time. Uh, I don't have an outro written up for bonus episodes. Maybe I should in the future. But hey... You know what it's all about. Uh, like, follow us, like, subscribe, ring that bell icon so you get notified every time we post. These are on Patreon. Yeah. Well, the, 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 this, this, this one's <laughs> going to the public feed. Uh, oh. Yeah. We're not on YouTube. I should probably clarify that. But we are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok to my chagrin. We're, we're on a... F and Patreon. Yeah, we are on Patreon. That we are, in fact. So... 
If you want more of these awesome bonus episodes, you should go uh, support our Patreon because it is because of the Patreon that these bonus episodes even exist through the wonderful generosity of our wonderful friends there. I just want to say, if you're listening right now, like as we really quick after we upload this and you're not in the Patreon, you should do it because there's a discord and you can jump in and we're still a small podcast that hasn't blown up so we're all very active and you can get one-on-one interaction with the whole crew yeah if you want to tell me to stay out of the blades of the Dauphin, this is your chance <laughs> give give money to tell me to not be here <laughs> he is the mod so he'll ban you from the discord time, immediately time but... is running out <laughs> Warren Abraham Lincoln, all right? (laughs) We also have uh, an Avatar Legends campaign that you can go back and listen to. We have 15 Fate Accelerated campaigns completely improvised off the cuff. We have an upcoming Blades in the Dark campaign that we're super excited for. And we have a sister podcast called iCast Fireball, which is a D&D 5e actual play. And if you haven't hopped on that train yet, now is a good time to do so because the coal is getting shoveled into that fire pretty quickly. Uh, we So our previous like best month for iCast Fireball, we, just, we had uh, about 3,500 downloads in one month. And then this past month, we had over 6,000. We saw a massive uptick in listeners. So we're even talking about like merch and stuff. There's never been a better time to become a fan of iCast Fireball, a D&D 5e actual play going through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. That was like a top tier promotion. I gotta say, like I don't I don't listen to ads if I can avoid it, but that was a good one. Oh, Holy cow. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of ads, we're also now an affiliate with Fanroll. They've officially rebranded from Metallic Dice Games to Fanroll. They've got some pretty awesome dice up there. Dice that I actually use IRL in my real life. That's what IRL means. And if you go to their website and buy dice with coupon code VroomVroomFifi, you can get 10% off your order. And now uh, let's do a round of Jack of All Games because both Thomas and Evan here are pretty elite gamers as I am myself. First thing that uh, the the game that I'm going to bring to the table this time around is an old GameCube classic called Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Holy cow, it is Lovecraftian. It is the first M-rated game that was ever published by Nintendo incidentally. Uh, but holy cow. Really? Yeah, it is super cool. And I really wish that they had picked up with that franchise and done more with it. Uh, it's got this awesome sanity effect thing going on where you don't just have a life meter and a magic meter. You also have a sanity meter. And the lower your sanity meter gets, the game starts doing weird stuff to you. Like statues will turn their heads and look at you as you walk past. You'll hear like people knocking on doors when you go to answer the door. They're not there. Uh, There's a bunch of other great ones that I won't spoil because it's so much fun to experience them in the moment. Um, But yeah, definitely like my favorite horror game of all time. Uh, That doesn't come with a whole lot of clout because I have not played many horror games. However, (laughs) it's a really good one and I would recommend all of you to go check it out if you're interested in that Lovecraftian kind of stuff. Let's see, Evan, you got a game that you would like to talk about? Uh, sure. I've been, um... You know, I haven't. I've been uh, playing a game called Dyson Sphere Project. Currently, in early access, available on Xbox Game Pass if you've got it, or you know, multiple marketplaces. It's made by a really small team out of a tiny office in China. They're super passionate. They're super talented developers. Very good game. It is a 
factory building game, which is kind of a genre that's taken off ever since Factorio came to the market, but you're basically in a mech suit, they drop you off on a planet, and they're like, hey, build a Dyson Sphere, which if you're not a sci-fi geek, is the idea of building an entire sphere around a star and just harnessing all of its energy as like the world's hugest power plant, essentially. Dang. Um, it's a very theoretical concept. Sure, um, I was thinking that you were making vacuum cleaners. No. An enormous vacuum cleaner. Very different. <laughs> um, but you start out with basically nothing, and you mine some iron, and then you build a thing to mine the iron for you, and then you build conveyor belts to take the iron to the smelters, and then you smelt the iron, and you automate things, and it just explodes until you have an entire planet, actually multiple planets, covered in machinery, funneling stuff around, and drones flying things to and fro. If you're a math nerd, if you're into optimizing and automating, it's the game for you. If that sounds boring, stay far away. I'm not even going to lie to you, but <laughs> if you're like, ooh, ooh, that sounds like something I could waste some time on, you will get sucked in for hours and hours. I hit 24 hours probably quicker in that game than any game in a long, probably since high school is the last time I hit a game 24 hours that fast. Powerful. Holy cow. Yeah. Fun game. I really like it. Plus you're supporting a small developer. Yeah, and now our resident regular Twitch streamer, The Manly Jones. You got any games you want to talk about? Uh, So I'm going to talk about a game that I have never played, but I I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, As Ned mentioned, I stream on Twitch somewhat regularly, and the people have specifically asked me to play a game called Hades, um, which I think think as of this coming out i will have already done the first session of it but i've heard very good things roguelike game greek gods what more can you ask for get to fight hades yeah i think eventually I don't know how. eventually is it eventually okay cool yeah i don't know i've never played it it's a um, real good right, yeah, it seems good yeah you're also his son oh well spoilers dude i haven't played it yet <laughs> it's the oh it's the <laughs> that's just the character what the heck, man? It's not a twist. Um, <laughs> I don't know who I am. No, I could, I could spend like an entire extra bonus episode just talking about how much I enjoy Hades. So I'm going to have to hold myself back a little bit and just say it's ridiculously <laughs> good. I love it so, so much. One of my favorite games of all time. And I'm pretty stoked to see Thomas streaming it on Twitch at the Manly Jones. You're much better at advertising for me than I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, yeah, I do it sometimes. You're like, hey, go here. He's doing stuff. He's handsome. Yeah. You'll get it. I did not say that second part, but it is true. You thought it. I could tell. Yep. I think he's even taken his shirt off on stream once before. So, Do you want me to do it now? I know <laughs> they can't see this because it's a podcast. But well, no, do it on your Thanks Hades for stream. joining us for this special bonus episode it. of Improv Tabletop. I have been Ned Wilcock, your host and oh. reader for this Choose Your Own Adventure. And today I've been joined by... Uh, someone the same size as Evan Peterson, but that looks very different. I was You stole my thing, man. <laughs> I was going to say... The same size as Evan, <laughs> but looks a lot like Thomas. <laughs> Great minds think alike. I went first, though, so I got the joke. Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop. I did take my shirt off. Um, if this gets turned into a video, please don't put that on the internet. Oh, I should stop recording.